Our Old Testament passage today picks up in Judges chapter 2, beginning with verse 11. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. Now notice, what was evil in the sight of the Lord, not the sight of man, in the sight of the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, there's a big deal. There's a big difference here because culture will tell you something is good when God says it is bad. So the sight of the Lord does not equal cultural approval. Okay, you're going to have to get a hold of that one. And they served Baals. I'm sure the local people were really happy with it. I'm sure that, that people of Israel fitting in with the, the local culture and engaging the local culture, I'm sure the local people celebrated it. But in the sight of God, it was evil. They abandoned the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they went after other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. Now, there's several things I want you to see here. The people who were around them, why were those people around them? We read you that yesterday. Because they were not driven out. You know, when you allow things in your life that don't belong there, sooner or later, those things in your life that don't belong there, that should be driven out, relationships that should be driven out, those things will bring you down. And notice, they provoked the Lord to anger. Now, you know, there are people that really provoke. Have you ever noticed that there are people that want to provoke you to anger? They do things and you get angry and then you're the bad guy. Huh. They provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the, the Lord and served the Baals and the Asherah. Now, remember, the Asherah, those are like giant male sexual organs at erection. All right. And that's what they bowed down and worship. It just, yeah. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them, and he sold their hand into their surrounding enemies so they could no longer withstand their enemies. Now, you know, you're always going to have enemies, but the question is, only God can make you stand. So there are Christians that when they forgive me, when they start going after the other stuff, they can no longer withstand the enemies that come against them. They get plundered. They lose everything. Whenever they march out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned them, and as the Lord had sworn to them. And they were, te they were in terrible distress. Then the Lord raised up judges. Ah, so now we have new leadership. who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who obeyed the command of the Lord, and they did not do so. Now, I want you to notice the phrase, they did not listen. I was reading an interesting article the other day. I think I sent it out to the pastoral department heads. It was... Um, a survey done among preachers by the Barna 
research group and by uh, the uh, pastoral care research group. And there was another big group that joined it. And they were asking, why are pastors leaving the ministry? Because they found that only 10% of pastors remain faithful to the ministry for their lifetime. Only 10%. Only one in 10 actually finishes the race. And they were going through all the reasons why pastors left the ministry. And you know why they said the number one reason pastors told them they left the ministry? People will not listen. <laughs> now, it is discouraging. But, you know, it's amazing. God can put leadership in your life, but you have to choose to listen to them. You know, there's going to be a lot of competing voices out there. There's going to be a lot of people telling you to do other things. But when God puts leadership in your life, you've got to choose to listen to those people. I didn't say bow down to them. You know, I want you to notice they bowed down to these other gods. God didn't want anybody to bow down to the leaders, but he did want them to listen to them. There is a difference. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge. Now, now get a hold of that. The Lord was with the leader that he put in place. And he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved with pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. Now, now that, that this is just phenomenal. Probably the most dangerous time for a congregation is when a pastor goes to heaven. A pastor who has been faithful for a lifetime. And then they get to go to heaven. And it's time for new leadership. It is amazing how people go as long as that leader is alive, just like under Joshua and the elders with him. As long as that leader was alive, they'll follow God. But when there's a new leader, it's a new day, new decisions. We're going to do what we want. Again, it's all about not listening to the new leaders. And notice they didn't drop any of their practices or, or stubborn ways. They just they hung on to these things. He continues in verse 20. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he said, because this people have transgressed my covenant that I commanded their fathers and have not obeyed my voice. I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. All right. Now, the future limited. And notice, they needed God's help to finish the promise. Now, now you got to get a hold of this. You need God's help to finish the promises. Now, when you start living in a way that's not in obedience to God, God just takes his hand off. God says, fine, I'm not going to drive out any of those other nations now. I know I promised, but things have changed because you changed. So God said, now your future, the limits on your future begin to come down because I'm not going to help you fulfill those promises anymore. You're on your own. In order to test Israel by them, whether they would take care to walk in the way of the Lord as their fathers did or not. So the Lord left those nations, not driving them out quickly. And he did not give them into the hand of Joshua. Amazing. Chapter 3. 
Verse 1. Now these are the nations that the Lord left to test Israel. That is, all in Israel who had not experienced all the wars in Canaan. It was only in order that the generations of Israel might know war, might know war and to teach war to those who had not known it before. You know, sometimes, sometimes God's got to leave some battles in front of the next generation. Now, now you're just going to have to get all that. Sometimes God needs to leave some battles in front of the next generations so that you'll know war and so that you'll teach war, so that you'll understand how to do it. These are the nations, the five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites, the Sidonians and the Hivites who lived on Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon as far as Labohamath. They were for the testing of Israel to know whether Israel would obey the commands of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And their daughters took for, them, and they, their daughters took for themselves for their wives, and their own daughters they gave to their sons, and they served their gods. So they intermarried, and they served their gods. And notice there are these Jebusites again. Now, again, the Jebusites just irritate me just a little bit. Please forgive me, because they beat them, they devastated the city, and then they let them stay there. And only when King David came along did the city of God finally get controlled so that they could build the temple in Jerusalem. I've often wondered how many hundreds of years earlier would the temple have been built, would the, the, the Ark of the Covenant have moved from from Shiloh to Jerusalem, but they let the Jebusites stay there. And all the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherah. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim for eight years. And when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, for the people of Israel who saved him, Othaniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. <laughs> Leadership anointing flows in families. Now, I know people don't like to hear that today, but you do see a leadership anointing that flows in families throughout Scripture. And here we find Nathaniel, Caleb's younger brother, being raised up as a judge to deliver Israel. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishathaim. So the land had rest 40 years. Then Othaniel, son of Kenaz, died. And the people of Israel again did was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now you're going to see what I call the roller coaster of spirituality. This is the roller coaster of spirituality. There is a restraining effect of good anointed leadership on sin in people's lives. Let me say that again. There is a restraining effect 
of good anointed leadership on people's lives. Amazing. Sometimes I write and it erases and sometimes I write and it writes. Now, that's not saying that, that, that this anointed leadership is God in any way, stretch or fashion. But the, when there's an anointing upon leadership, there is a restraining effect on sin. Now, notice the spirit of the Lord was upon him. It's not the leader. It's the anointing that is upon the leader's life. It is not the leadership of Athaniel that restrains sin in people's lives. It's the anointing. It is the anointing. Let me say that again. It's the anointing. And the anointing kind of takes a lot of this roller coaster spirituality out of people's lives. He gathered, he gathered to himself the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Amalekites, and went and defeated Israel. And they took possession of the city of Palms. And the people of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. Now notice, this is Eglon, king of Moab, one of the descendants of Lot. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and the Lord raised up for them a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gera, a Benjaminite, a left-handed man. And the people of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud had made for himself a sword with two edges, a cubit in length, and he bound it on his right thigh under his clothes. And he presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. And when Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who carried the tribute. And he turned himself back at the idols near Gilgal and said, I have a message for you, O king. And he commanded silence, and all of his attendants went out of his presence. And Ehud came to him as he was sitting alone in his cool roof chamber. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. And he arose from his seat. And Ehud reached with his left hand, took the sword from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the hilt also went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade. For he did not pull the sword out of his belly, and the dung came out. Then Ehud went out into the porch and closed the doors of the roof chamber behind him and locked them. When he had gone, the servants came, and when they saw the doors of the roof chamber were locked, they thought, surely he is relieving himself in the closet in the cool chamber. And they waited till they were embarrassed. But when he still did not open the doors of the roof chamber, they took the key and opened them, and there lay their Lord dead on the floor. Ehud escaped while they were delayed, and he passed beyond the idols and escaped to Sarah. When he arrived, he sounded the trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim. Then the people of Israel went down with him from the hill country, and he was their leader. And he said to them, Follow after me, for the Lord has given your enemies the Moabites into your hand. So they went down after him and seized the fords of Jordan against the Moabites and did not allow anyone to pass over. And they killed at that time about 10,000 Moabites, all strong, able-bodied men. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. After him was Shmagar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. Now, again, we see a, this roller coaster taking place. God raises up a judge, a deliverer. The people of Israel listen to them, follow them. They get peace in the land again. When that leader dies, the roller coaster goes down the other way. Brothers and sisters, don't ever forget the roller coaster of spirituality. The most difficult time in people's lives 
is when they move out from under a leader with their, where there's an anointing upon their life or a leader with an anointing on their life dies. That is a very dangerous time for the people of God. They have to discern, they have to be determined to hold steady in Jesus' name. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Our New Testament passage today picks up again during that first Holy Week, Luke chapter 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and they went in, and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. These are angels. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? (laughs) 
I absolutely love that. How many times had Jesus told them on the third day he's going to rise? How many times had he taught this to them through that last three and a half years, especially the last six months of his life? But still they're looking for the living among the dead. He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. All right. So the angel said, remember the promises. Remember what he promised you? On the third day he would rise? Remember that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it takes a reminder. Sometimes it's not that people are bad people. It's not that people are sinful people. It's just the emotions of everything that had gone on. I mean, please, the crucifixion, the sufferings, the death of the Savior. The emotions were just horrendous. And sometimes in the middle of all those emotions, you need a reminder of the promises of God. Beloved, right now in the middle of COVID-19, with all the emotions, sometimes you need a reminder. Jesus is your healer. Remember what he promised? Remember what he said? And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. So to the eleven and to all the rest. So everybody's hearing about this. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna the, and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. All right. So <laughs> the first messengers of the resurrection were women. Now, with all this complementarianism doctrine flowing through the world today, that, that women are, are beneath men and that women are only subject to men, excuse me, ladies, Jesus set women free. And notice the first messengers of the resurrection, the first people trusted with the message of the resurrection were women. That should tell you something about the value that God places upon women. The first to tell the story were women. So if God doesn't trust women, and if men shouldn't listen to women, why were the first messengers of the resurrection women? But these words seemed to them like an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Peter rose and ran to the tomb. I like Peter. He rose and he ran to the tomb. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves and went home marveling at what had happened. So finally a guy shows up. That very day, two of them were going into a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, most people say that Emmaus is down near Abu Ghash now. So if this... Do you remember the road we take, those of you who've been to Israel with us, do you remember the road we take down the mountain and we stop in Abu Ghash for our last big meal before we get on the airplane? We have that giant meal with the big kebabs and everything. It's not too far outside of Jerusalem, but it's partway down the mountain. That is where most people believe that Emmaus is located. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So he drew near and he walked with them. 
but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now, some people say, how couldn't they recognize him? Is his glorified body that different? Well, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas said, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and mighty in word before God and all the people. Now, wow, that's a testimony. He's mighty in deed. In other words, there's miracles. He's mighty in word. All right, there's good teaching. And notice it's before God and the people. A prophet doesn't just minister to the people. A prophet also ministers to God. And how our chief priests and rulers, now notice twofold ministry. Let's call this the twofold to focus ministry. Twofold. Word and deed. To focus. God and people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and they crucified him. And when he hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. So this is, this is Sunday. All right. This is Sunday. It is now the third day. It is Sunday. Jesus rose from the dead that morning. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. So some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women have said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. <laughs> oh, sometimes I feel like that. Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Beloved, you and I have to learn to get quick of heart to believe. Sometimes, sometimes the facts get in the way of faith. Now, please, I don't say that, you know, I believe in science. Please, I got no problem. With, well, I don't believe in science and I don't trust science, but I know science exists, all right? I'm not against science because to me, science is just a study of God's creation. But sometimes we're so busy looking at the facts and the problems, it slows down our heart to believe what God has said. Sometimes I come before the Lord and I say, Lord, I know your great and precious promises, but sometimes I got to get out of my head and get into your word. I don't want to be slow of heart to believe, Lord. I want to be a quick believer, not a slow believer. Ah. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them all the scriptures of the things concerning himself. Now that to me, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, that to me would be, talk about a sermon. 
Now, I've often wondered what these men did with what they learned that day. I mean, this is a sermon (laughs) on, not just the, this, this is a sermon on Christology of the Old Testament. Now, I've got books about this wide, just a volume of books about this wide, just on the Christology of the Old Testament. And you just sit down and you wonder, how long did it take for them to walk while Jesus taught them Moses and all the prophets concerning himself? You talk about a sermon. And I, you know, I just don't believe Jesus just taught it to them, okay? Jesus teaches us things to pass on. So I, I would love to know how this was passed on one day. So they drew near to the village to where they were going. And he acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. Remember, he's in his glorified body. And he just vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Did not our hearts burn within us? (laughs) Have you ever sat down in your devotions in the morning and begun to read your Bible? And there are most mornings when everything is just normal. But you know those special mornings when it's like God is sitting there with you and your heart burns within you and you know he's teaching you a lesson. You know he's teaching you something that's going to bring about change in your life. You know he's perfecting the good work he began in your life. Those are such precious, precious times. And they arose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven who were with him gathered together. Now notice, they left Jerusalem going down on the road to Emmaus. They spend the night, and after they meet Jesus, they go right back. Okay, (laughs) They, they go back to Jerusalem and to the apostles, saying, the Lord has indeed risen and has appeared to Simon. All right, so this is the first guy. Now, the ladies have the message, but Simon is the first guy Simon Peter is the first guy to see the resurrection. Now, sometimes you wonder, well, why wasn't it John the Beloved? Maybe because Simon needed it more. Because Simon had betrayed Jesus. The last thing Peter remembers was Jesus looking across the courtyard into his eyes as the cock crowed. And he ran out into the night weeping bitter tears. But now Jesus appears to Simon. Then they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. How he was known to them in the breaking of bread. How he was known to them in the communion. Now that is a sermon (laughs) in itself. Communion revelation. That is a sermon in itself. All right. 
little bit of Proverbs. Some of this stuff to me is just so almost overpowering with the truth of who he is and what he did. Proverbs chapter 20, beginning with verse 26. A wise king winnows the wicked and drives the wheel over them. A wise king scatters the wicked like wheat. You know, one of the things you have to learn in leadership, you don't let the wicked all get together in one place, okay? It's like creating a little bomb, all right? If you have one firecracker go off, that's one thing. But when you get all the firecrackers in one box and it explodes, then you've got a big problem. So wise king understands you need to scatter the wicked like wheat, then runs his threshing wheel over them. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his inmost parts. Now, I want you to remember that God is three. God is one, but three. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, man is also created in the image of God. Man is a spirit being who has a soul and has a body. Now, we understand the body and we understand the soul, the spirit of man. That is the part of man that is dead. It is separated from God. And when we're born again, the spirit man comes alive. And the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. It's where the light of God comes into us. This is why Paul tells us that, you know, the, the word of God separates between the soul and the spirit. That the word of God is like a sharp, double-edged sword. You, you get confused whether this guidance is from God or whether this guidance is just coming out of my own thoughts and my own reasons and my own logic. And you need the word of God like a sharp, sharp double-edged sword to separate that. Steadfast love and faithfulness preserve the king. By steadfast love, his throne is upheld. Now notice, unfailing love and faithfulness protect the king. His throne is made secure through love. Now, not only does the king need to walk in love, but the people need to walk in love around him. Steadfast love, faithfulness preserve the king. That you have to understand these are our principles of enduring leadership. Steadfast love and faithfulness. The glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of an old man is their gray hair. Okay, each is still one generation It's still one generation. The young are not a different generation. You're still in the same generation, all right? The glory of young men is their strength. Young men, you can do things that I can't do anymore because I don't have the strength. Now, I'm still strong. I'm 64. I can still outwork most men. But I don't have the strength I had when I was in my 20s and my 30s. Maybe in my 40s, but not in my 20s and my 30s. I can remember in those days, I could go three days without going to bed and never even think about it. Man, if I do that now, I'm no good for nothing. Now, brothers and sisters, young men, you may not be wise. And you may not have experience. But I teach young people 
Your asset is your strength. You can outwork everybody. So I teach young people, when you start your first jobs, you may not have a lot of experience and you may not have a lot of wisdom, but you can work harder than everybody else. Play to your strength. And for those of us that are getting older, we can't keep up with those young men anymore. Dads, remember the first time your son beat you in basketball, how embarrassing that was? And after that, you stopped playing basketball with him again? <laughs> we can't compete with the young people on strength. We play to our strength. Our strength is our wisdom. Blows that wound cleanse away evil. Strokes make clean the inmost parts. Now look at that in the New Living. Physical punishment chases away evil. Such discipline purifies the heart. Moms and dads, you know what? Sometimes you just need to give the kids a good spanking. I didn't say a beating. I didn't say punch him in the head. A good spanking. You know, the butt is nice and soft and it's nice and padded. Don't use something that's going to leave marks. Use your hand because then you know exactly how hard you hit. But a good spanking for young people helps them become a better person. Ah, oh, there's some wisdom today. Young people and kids won't like that. Okay, I, I remember one time telling Shasha, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And she looked at me, she said, no, it's not. <laughs> but beloved, spare the rod, damn the child. I'm not saying beat your kids, please. There are some parents that take this way too far. You cool off. You don't do anything in anger. You cool off. You tell the kids, we're going to deal with this later. Then after everybody's cooled off and you can think it through and you're acting out of logic, not out of temper, then a little physical punishment is good for the kids for their futures. All right, we're going to stop there. We'll see you in service tonight as I begin to teach you about the prayers of the Apostle Paul, praying to know the love of God. Saturday and Sunday, we're back into determination. <laughs> I'll be teaching you specifically on determination to achieve your goals and determination for the call of God upon your life. We'll see you in the services this weekend.